everybody. Is this on? Yes, it is. Hey, um, I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes, introduce you to a, a friend of mine who's not here, so I'm going to talk about him and introduce him that way. His name is Steve, and uh, Steve, like myself, is the son of a pastor, and uh, uh, his grandfather was also a pastor, and uh, Steve decided, uh, as I did, to go into business. He always says, you know, I decided I really wanted to eat, and so I didn't go into the ministry. And, um, and he became very successful. He graduated uh, with an MBA uh, from the University of Maryland, uh, became CFO of a uh, large chicken uh, organization out on the eastern shore and uh, I mean he was doing great just making tons of money and and uh, loving Jesus and having a good time raising his family his daughter went to uh, the University of Connecticut UConn as a gymnast and uh, which was really a great thing exciting thing and one day uh, she was uh, practicing, rehearsing for, for an event that was coming up and uh, she fell off of a balance beam and she tore her ACL and went in uh, for surgery and they repaired the ACL, sewed her up, but a blood clot uh, just came out of that wound and went to her brain and killed her. And um, Steve, his world just fell apart. He... He, he never got over that. And so um, he, he, he tried to go back to work after about four or five months off. Couldn't focus. He said, I just, you know, I'd try to do work and I, I just, I'd fall apart. I couldn't keep my head on straight. And uh, eventually the uh, CEO of the company just said, Steve, this isn't working. And I totally understand what's going on, but uh, you, you can't be here any longer. And, and, um, so Steve, really, he didn't really care. He, financially, he was okay. Um, and so he just went into a, a funk for about two years. Um, he, during that time, just sat around, tried to figure out where he was, what he was doing, how could this happen? He didn't, you know, he'd been faithful and to, to everything that he knew to be faithful to, and, and then this. And one day... He was just sitting around reading uh, the Baltimore Sun and saw an ad by this nonprofit group called the Children's Guild. And he responded to the ad. They were looking for somebody to help them with accounting. And he was extremely overqualified, but he said, maybe I can do something for this nonprofit that would help. The Children's Guild is actually an organization that was uh, founded by three uh, Jewish scholars out of Johns Hopkins. One of these three is the, the man, the doctor who discovered and named autism. And so his whole objective was once he understood autism and, and, and they began to think through the principles, they realized that a lot of these autistic children could be mainstreamed if they got the right amount of attention. I mean, prior to this, these children were thought to be mentally ill and never recoverable. And so they went about trying to put together this program that would help autistic children uh, mainstream into uh, society. And it was successful to a point, 
but they were always running out of money. They didn't have any strategic plan, anything at all. And, and so Steve goes in as basically an a, a overqualified bookkeeper, and over time, he became the CFO of this organization, and because of his work and diligence and everything that... And he did this, he was motivated by what had happened to his daughter, and he said, I'm just going to, ha- I'm going to give my life to other kids, to other people, to help them you know, through the challenges in life. Today, uh, with Steve's direction and guidance, the Children's Guild is now uh, has annual revenues of $90 million. They have seven charter schools that are filled 50% to 60% with autistic children or homeless children, um, and the rest are are just students from the communities, and these schools are amazing. I took a group of people from here to uh, see one of the schools, and uh, it's just amazing. And a couple of weeks ago, Steve called me, he said, Greg, I need you to come over. I'm having a meeting with some people, and, and I'd like you to attend. And so I went over uh, two weeks ago, and uh, that's when I found out that he was putting together an advisory board, and I was apparently on the board. Um, But I met a guy, his name is Paul. He's the president of the Board of Visitors of the University of Maryland. Uh, Ken, president of T. Rowe Price. Gary, who's the board of directors of what is now Scouts USA. Ted, this Jewish guy from New York who um, has lived in China for like 37 years, but he's formed like four Fortune 400 companies out of uh, Chinese funding here in the United States. And he showed up at the table uh, with $2 billion of Chinese money that he needs to invest in this, in this country. And then there was me. And um, yeah, you didn't have to laugh that hard. Um, but I said, Steve, what am I doing here? And his response was, I, I'm not really sure. Um, but the cool thing is that all of what is happening there has been done by this guy who is a Christ follower who simply had a degree in accounting and decided to use his work for something that's amazing. What's really amazing about the Children's Guild is all the leaders strategically that are placed in these schools that are making the decisions for these schools are Christ followers. These are not Christ- this is not a Christian endeavor. It's not a Christian school. But, but it is amazing. I mean, they, and, and you know, they have these schools. That we went to the Children's Guild in D.C., and they have um, a lady there who oversees all the schools, and she, you know, she, was, uh, she has set this up so that these kids are learning Scripture. They're singing songs about Jesus Christ, you know, and, and, it's, a, and it's a public charter school. And, you know, somebody asked her, you know, what happens if, uh, if somebody decides, hey, we're going to, you know, sue you or do whatever. She goes, doesn't bother me. Who's going to come down here and work with these kids? And that was like her, her MO. But, but they are doing some amazing things for these children. The success rate of this is off the charts. It's just the discovery that they have made to help these kids is amazing. Um, and the reason that we had this meeting is now they want to put together an apprenticeship program to make sure that these kids all have jobs, and it's because they're, they're now moving to the next generation. But I'm sharing that with you because I want to sow a seed today in your minds and hearts about work, something that you may not have thought of, and, and something that 
that I've become more and more aware of over the last several years. I truly uh, feel like one of my greatest gifts or strengths is business. It's just, it's, it's part of me. And those of you who don't know me, uh, I, I, I do lead this church. Um, at least I pretend sometimes I lead the church. But um, I'm a businessman. Uh, I don't get paid by the church. I, God's called me to do business and I do that. And, and I do this and it's because I love it. But um, we've got some incredible people on our team here, our ministry team, that they do a lot of the work. And, but, but I was able to start this and get it going and bring people together. And we, we, you know, we've kind of done this uh, just out of almost nothing. But I believe that if we look carefully, we will see, and I've met many of these people now, people that are forces in the kingdom of God in our country who are not pastors, who are not ministers or paid ministers. There are people who are changing the world around us more than you may know. And I believe that they are creating something today to change much of the world for tomorrow. I especially want to talk to our students today, our young adults, because you are the people that can be the recipients of some of the pioneering that has been going on in this kingdom work process. And you can play a huge part in this if you just understand it, if you just pay attention to it. So I want to read three passages of scripture. All of these are things that Jesus said. And then I want to talk about this a little bit. In Matthew 16, 18, Matthew 16, we've talked about this a lot. This is the, the deal at, at uh, Caesarea Philippi where Jesus asked Peter and all the disciples, who do you say that I am? And that was when Peter announced that, well, you're, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus stood in this awful, horrible, most sinful place that they knew of on the planet, Caesarea Philippi, and he, on that spot, he declares this. He says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. A very aggressive statement. Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, under that authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I read these verses, I think about, about what is being said, I think about the authority, I think about the power, I think about the aggressiveness, uh, just the, the, the offense move that Jesus is talking about, and I get so frustrated because I look at the church, and I'm not talking about just our church, I look at the church in general and wonder what happened, what happened with all of the authority, all of the power, all of the healing, the good news to the poor, because we are not seeing a change in our nation, in our world, through the mighty acts of the church that Jesus says will stand up against the very gates of hell. What is going on? Now you might be saying, well, what does this have to do with me, Greg? And 
What, what's this have to do with work? And I, I want to take a moment and talk about that. You know, two weeks ago, we started this, and I, I, the, the title of that message is God, or, or work is a God thing. It's not about me. And, and this, is, this is our life, right? I mean, we're trying to move life from where we're in the center of it to where Jesus is in the center of it. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I hope by the end of this message today, something gets moving inside of you and you say, man, I need this, I I want this, or I've been messing around and it's time for me to get serious about my life. And so the first thing that you do when you come to that place is you say, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to ask you to come into my heart. I give you my life. And so you make a transition over to here, where Jesus is at the center of your life. But those of us who have been believers for quite a while realize this is not a magic one-time step. In fact, it takes much of our lives for us to move ourselves out of the center and put Jesus in the center of our lives. And so these outside things, you know, I came up with this. I stole it, actually, from somebody. Um, When we were talking about money, it's, you can put money here, you can put, you can put anything on the outside when it talks about us being at the center of our lives or Jesus. So now it's work. And two weeks ago, we talked about this. We get a job, we get a career, we think it's ours. This is my job. This is my work. This is my career. But I'm not going to go over everything, but we discovered that work is for God. It's His. It belongs to Him. It's not ours. It's Him. It's his. We're simply stewards of something that he gives us. Now, today, I want to talk about something else. We, it, <clears throat> we talked about work, or we talked about money being for me, and that's how we think about it. So we get to work, we get to you know, go after whatever job we want, we get to seek the promotion, we want the raises. It's, it's about us, it's for us. It gives us power, it gives us money, it gives us you know, a feeling of success. But the reality is, that is not why we work. Work, just like everything else, is for God's kingdom. God's kingdom. I want to read this. I'm reading several things today because I wrote them and I really like them. And I want to read them so I don't mess them up. There is no such thing as secular employment for the believer. Once we have given our lives to Christ, everything about us is redeemed for kingdom purposes. It is all spiritual. It is either legitimate kingdom expression or we shouldn't be involved at all. I want you to think about your work. And remember, I gave you all these things that we work at. We work at parenting and we work at home. Uh, We work at at our jobs, we, we work in what we do, are serving in the church, all these things that we do. But there is no such thing as secular employment for somebody who's a part of God's kingdom. What we do is sacred. Everything that we do is sacred. And so today's title is work is a kingdom thing. It's a kingdom thing. Now, one of the things that we have to begin to do to make this transition from everything being about us to everything being about Jesus is we need to have a correct worldview. Uh, we have to have this comprehensive perspective that everything flows through so we can understand what everything is about. And typically, this needs to be done in terms of a story. 
If, you know, if I want to know somebody, if I want to get to know you, I want to know what your story is. I want to hear about your life. I want to, you know, it just, it's so amazing just to sit and talk to somebody and find out about where they came from. We communicate especially great truths through storylines. And so one of the things that we need, well, first of all, we need to answer a couple of questions about to, in order to develop our worldview. And, and so I wrote these down. How are things supposed to be? How, how in the world are things supposed to be? The second question is, what happened? Something must have happened because everything is out of whack. Now, we sit around, we talk about that a lot, don't we? Man, this place is a mess. What's going on? And then finally, what is the solution? So the Bible gives us a story, a storyline to help us understand what has to change, what we have to do to make a difference in this world. There are four things. I want you to write these down in your notes. Number one, the first thing is creation. There was creation. God created the heavens and the earth. He had a plan. He had a, you know, we talked about work, and I showed you a couple of weeks ago where work came from. It was God's design. So the first part of the story is creation. The second part, which happened rather quickly, is called the fall. That's the problem. It's sin. Sin came in and destroyed the plan. And then you move to redemption. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Redeemer. He is the one that makes life possible. And then finally, the fourth part of the story is restoration. It's not enough to just be redeemed. What are we supposed to do? And it's, it's restoration. It's us playing a part in what's supposed to happen. I, I loved, uh, my wife made me watch the uh, royal wedding <laughs> yesterday. Twice. And... and I have to tell you, I liked it. It was really cool. Uh, there was a preacher preaching, sharing the gospel. I mean, it was off the charts. There, those English people about died in their seats. It was like, I saw Elton John with a look on his face that I thought was gonna, he was going to fall over dead. It was so cool. And, 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 but this guy said something. He goes, we need to love. We need to care because we are looking at a better day. And one day we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This guy's preaching. And, and that's, that's restoration. Now, with this story, we get to address culture. Our culture. Now, the church historically has not liked culture. We've talked about it, hated it, stayed away from it. We have separated. One, one of the favorite verses in our church when I was growing up is that we should be separate and holy. And so we separated from everything. I, I won't even go there. It, was, it wasn't good. We had a lot of vision. We spoke a lot of great visionary things. We're going to take the world for Jesus and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But we never got close to culture. And I want to tell you this. This is something, this is deeper than it sounds. Culture eats vision for lunch. You can have all the vision you want, but if it doesn't penetrate culture, if it doesn't make an inroad to our culture today, it's worthless. 
it is worthless. You can scream, shout, yell all you want. It doesn't change anything. It, it works kind of like this. This is a formula, okay? The church plus the gospel minus culture. So we got the church, we got our story, but we've blocked culture out equals fundamentalism. Write that down in your notes. The church plus the gospel minus culture is fundamentalism. In other words, we come up with all of our religion, all of our rules, all the stuff that we say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and, and we're making zero difference in the world around us. We've got everything, it's fundamentalism. We've, we've, we've taken culture out of the deal. So, now here's what some people have tried to do is this. Church minus the gospel plus culture, that gives you liberalism. It doesn't, all it does is creates confusion and it makes things worse. Let me give you the real formula that the Bible teaches us about. Church plus the gospel of Christ plus culture gives us the kingdom of God. That's when things really begin to happen. That's when things really begin to work. Now, before I, before I get into this, well, yeah, let me, let me do this. Let me, I've got these seven mountains down here. They're the, they're, the, they're the pieces of culture. These are the things that make up culture, okay? Well, what are they? Well, we've got the church. We know that. That's a part of culture. Another part of culture is family. Another big piece of culture today is education. And by the way, I'm talking mainly about our country right now, although this could probably go to many other countries. Church, family, education. We've got government, big part of culture. We've got uh, media. We've got art and entertainment. And then we have business. These are, these are primarily the seven things. And, and by the way, in education, you can include science and medicine in there. But these are basically the pieces of culture today. Now let me show you how this works. And this could work in favor or against the message of Christ and, and the, the restoration that God wants to bring into the, the world today. But I'm going to give you just one picture of this and how it works. You know, there's this whole uh, same-sex ideology that is becoming rampant in our society today. Less than 1% of Americans even understand it, and they're the ones that have made all the ruckus here. So what they did is they went to the educators and they said, we need a white paper on this thing. We need, we need to understand what this is all about. We need something that explains our cause, something that we can really write down what needs to happen and why and where this all comes from. Well, the educators say, oh, we can help you with that, but that's going to cost money. So they went over here to the business mountain and said, hey, we need money to fund this white paper that we want to write on this whole deal. 
And so they got some business people who really had a passion for this, and so they paid for these educators to write the white paper. Then they took this, and they took it over here to the artsy-fartsy, well, I shouldn't have said that, those people, the art and entertainment people, and they said, hey, can you all do something with this? They write songs about it, they write books about it. Well, then the media picks it up, and then they make a big deal out of it. And then politicians say, whoa, this must be important. Let's make a bandwagon here, or I could probably get elected. And now it's hard to find a men's restroom. It's just, that's how it works. Now, it works in the reverse, too. You can, you can take something else and use all the pieces of this. But this is how, this is what runs the country right here. What's the church do? We sit over here in isolation. We block ourselves off. We say no to culture. Stay away from us. We think that God's going to take over and, and bless everything. And, and, and we just focus on this. We focus on the church. We focus on us being holy. us being, And then we want to grow the church. And the church, you know, sometimes we get really large. And bigger is not always beautiful. I am living and walking proof of that. So I've lost 42 pounds. Yeah. And now I am living and walking proof that smaller is not always beautiful. It just doesn't matter. That's not the issue. What is the church doing? What should we be doing? We we get all upset about things. We get all, you know, we, we, we got buzzwords like social justice. That just sets us off, right? Or, or uh, racial diversity or guns and, you know, all this stuff that people are going crazy about. And all around us, people are dying. People are hurting. People are falling apart. We've changed the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, to A, a Mighty Fortress is Our Church. We've we walled ourselves in because we don't want to have anything to do with culture. And then I read something like this. Jesus says, go into all the world. He says, go into all the world and preach good news to everyone. Go and make disciples of all nations. There is nothing defensive about what God has called the church to do. He says, I'll put you at the gates of hell. And I want you to be the world changers. He wants to do away with the barrier. The church lacks cultural power because it focuses on changing the world from within the church mountain rather than releasing the church into the marketplace to leaven all seven mountains. The goal isn't to pull a convert out of the world and into the church. The goal is to be the church that raises up disciples to go into all of the world. Now let me take all of this and bring it back to work. Bring it back to where you live. How do we make work a kingdom thing? The three things I want to give you today, and, and again, I'm planting seeds. I want, you to, I want you to understand what this is all about. Number one, you need to find your place in work. If 
find your place in work. It, it really corresponds with what's on the wall over here, kind of our mission statement. Discover purpose. What's your purpose? What is it? Who are you? How did God make you? You know, in that, that passage in Proverbs where it says, train up a child in the way he should walk and when he's old he should not depart from it. That's not about raising them to be Christians and in the end they won't leave. They, that, it's not what that's talking about. It's talking about understanding your child's gifts and helping them get to the place where they can use those gifts. That's all that that's talking Now, God will help us and He will bless us for raising our children the way that we're supposed to, but that's not what that verse is talking about. We need to understand our place. I, I want to share some passages of Scripture here that I think are amazing. Romans 12.3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith. I want you to circle those three words in your notes. The measure of faith. God has, the measure of faith God has given you. Now that word measure of faith comes from a Greek word that, that's, that's called metron. It's, it's, it's metron. And it real, the literal, literal meaning is in my field. In other words, Paul is teaching us here, be sober in your judgment of yourself in accordance with the place that you should be, the, 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 the field, the sphere that God has put you in. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about it again in chapter 10, verse 13, and he uses this language which is really interesting. He says, within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. Here's what I want you to hear. God has designed you uniquely to do something. It's your gifts, your passion, your heart, your emotions, your soul, everything. He has gifted you to do this. And He wants you in that place. Some of you hate your jobs because you're in the wrong place. Some of you love what you do. And you need to look at that. And what is that all about? And how is that working? And what is it in you that makes it work for you? But we're supposed to be in the sphere that, that God has created us for. Why? I want to read this out of um, Lance Wallnau's book called Invading Babylon. He says this, You don't need to know everything about every sphere. But you do need to master your own sphere by seeking the wisdom of God, His way of thinking and seeing for that area. He has something for every sphere, business, art, government, when you master the fundamentals and trust God, He will advance you and you will produce superior results. Then he says something I think is, is so powerful once you dissect it a little bit. He says you need to be in proximity to the assignment God gives you. In other words, you need to be close to what it is that He has gifted you for, called you to do. You need to be close to that so that God can work in the margins of the unpredictable elements that will shape your future. In other words, there are things that you can do. There are things that you, you take your gifts and your education, your loves and your ability, and you get into these places. And when you get to the right place, God will do things that you didn't expect and you couldn't have come up with any way that you thought about. So very Important. Write this down in your notes. Work is a calling. God has called you 
to work. He has placed things in your heart. And some of you today probably need to really sit and think through, am I in that place? Am I at the right place? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Have you ever had a teacher in school who was never supposed to be a teacher? Have you ever had one who you know was called by God to do what they did? Perfect example. So number one is find your place. Number two, ask the question, what brokenness can I restore? There's brokenness in all of these. You go to the church, there's, there's broken relationships and brokenness, but a, a gap between God and man. What, broke, what can I restore? Brokenness in families, husbands and wives that are coming from a broken past and they marry and they have children and because of all the baggage, they don't stay together and the children are abused and hurt and neglected and abandoned. Education, oh man, do we need help in education today. And you know, even in, you'd think we've got some of the best schools, public schools in, in the country in Loudoun County. And yet there's a whole group of people who can't speak English when they get to the first grade. They, they, they are four years behind the rest of their schooling all the way through high school. They won't be able to go to college. They're always struggling. They can't hardly get through. The, the teachers just have to pass them just to get them out of the system. We've got brokenness. What, what, what could we do? Government, do I need to say anything? Media, don't need to say anything. Arts and entertainment, business, there's, there's brokenness in all of these realms of culture. And Jesus didn't say, stay away from them, get mad at them. He says, go, go, go into the world. Go! And take God and your gifts and do what He's called you to do. The last few days I've been in New York City, I was invited to um, uh, just learn about human sex trafficking. And uh, this was a human trafficking, trafficking symposium led by a group called Project Rescue, which, uh, and this is my connection to this group, a guy that I knew in college many, many years ago started Project Rescue, and um, they have been able to pull 40,000 uh, young ladies and children out of trafficking. And um, so we reconnected and he invited me to come to this and I got to see some things that just shook me up. Um, we have 100,000 children trafficked in the United States per year right now. We don't hear much about that. I want you to take a look at just one of the success stories that... Um, I got to see this week. Let's take a look at this. The Lord led me to the red light district of Mumbai. There I saw a lot of children in the street. Two of the girls said to me, take us all out of this hell, otherwise we will all end up like our mothers. Well, you know, I, I seen like uh, my own daughters there. I said, what do you, you do when you meet, when you, you somebody take your daughters 
and you don't wait for united nations or others to come to help you you want to you know go and take your daughters from there it's very hard because children born there they don't know what is love they have you know seen you know all this horror in their life because many children born there sometimes die also the girl child is sold even they become 14 13 then they have forced them into prostitution it wasn't just to rescue not that is go and rescue them you are to earn their trust because their own family members or whom they trusted betrayed them and one particular girl told me they said every time i would see you in the realized street walking i used to hate you when i see a man walking there i want to go behind that man and want knife them i didn't like what they did to my mother she said i watched you very carefully then and she said i one day I looked at your eyes something my heart touched like my father like it love you i mean that you would take care of me she spoke to her mother and she said mommy i will go with this uncle this home after befriending this uh, madams in this brothels then they allow you to go inside and be there and sit with them and talk to them i get an opportunity to pray for them you go into like a, some kind of you know dungeon really dark place that's where i saw uh, sumi under the you know bed the sumi was like that you know just scared and lying you know up naked there i said she doesn't have anybody i have a home i can take her i remember taking sumi from that place carrying her to my jeep and she said the house is moving she said the house is moving so she lived most of her life on that dark room they were all born in brothel sony so me priya and pinky so when we got them all of them very small age i remember taking them in the bus all together they getting out of the bus seeing their house they were jumping before they were just jumping up and down up and down and so happy just out of that hell to a home where you know they can just see their they so they are home our home i am blessed to have good father like uncle when he brought me here i was such innocent girl but because of him i have built that confidence in my life he always make sure that he can give us that love and today we don't miss that uh, love of father today he has completed me with the love of father so i am blessed with him whatever i am today it's all because of this project rescue whatever i needed they have provided me everything they are helping me to pursue my dreams and it gave me hope for bright future and all of them graduated priya she's uh, doing a second year mba soni she finished her graduation and she's doing a master in arts pinky is also graduated and she's working also in a company and chumi graduated 
and she's working as an executive in a company. And their heart is what we have taught them. Not only they, God rescued them, saved them from these places, not only for their own life, but through them God wants to save many, many others, raising them to be leaders for India. All I can say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. So we need to ask the question, what brokenness can I restore? I don't know about you, that makes me angry. That's what makes me angry. It's not the... We don't need to worry about the church. We don't need to worry about getting polluted with the world. We're supposed to infect and pollute the world. That's what God is calling us to do. The third thing that I want you to write down, and this is, I'm closing now, is learn how to integrate faith and work for God's kingdom. Our eternal rewards do not come because of how much money we made, how many souls were saved, or how many homeless people we fed. Our rewards are given based on our faithfulness to what God has given and called us to be and to do. I'm going to challenge you. I think I put this in your notes that I want you to consider joining or leading a small group. We're going to have our, our new semester open up here in a couple of weeks focused on faith and work. I have some resources there. If you want to lead a group like this or learn more, you don't have to be knowledgeable about it. Just find the resource and go through it with some people and say, hey, I want to understand this better. I want to begin to think about invading mountains that God has called me to, gifted me for. I want to close with one last verse here. It's out of the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. And it says this, The Lord God has told us what is right and what He demands. Not suggest. Some versions say requires. He says this, See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern. And humbly obey your God. My hope coming out of today is this, that you will get as frustrated and upset as I am about the weakness of the local church in our country. The inability or decision to not go into the world to not to go and share the message of Christ, to not go in. It, you know, Matthew 28 says, says that God has given us the nations. Go into all the nations with the gospel. What about our own? And the nations around us, of course. But I hope you get so frustrated and so upset at where we've been and what we're doing and what we're not doing that you will make this change and that work will become a kingdom thing for you. One last thought for those of you who your whole world is right here. It's all about you. I have a desire for you, and that is that you will know and understand the purpose that God created you, that you will understand that He has a plan and a future and a purpose for your life. And it's so much better than anything that you can come up with on your own. And I want you to experience that and sense that. And it starts with one thing. And that's taking the move from here to here and asking Jesus to come into your life. 
making the decision that you're going to become a Christ follower. Now, the transition and all the things in our lives, this takes a lifetime. But it begins with knowing the Creator of life. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose. And we want you to make a difference. That's what we want for you. That's when we begin to change the world around us. And the needle moves in terms of reaching people for Christ. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the Word of God that teaches us these things. I pray that we would uncover them. Lord, I pray that there isn't a person in here who would just walk away from this and think it's just another day. But that we would take something away from here that would help us to become the person that God has called us to be.